What do we do? A podcast discussing wealth management and financial planning. Hosted by the founder and CEO of Great Lakes Wealth, Dewey Steffen. Alongside radio personality, Kyle Bogey. A special election day edition of the What Do We Do podcast. Kyle Bogey, Dewey Steffen here at Great Lakes Wealth. And uh, are you actually going to wear the hat for this episode? Hey, Kyle. It's great to see you. And uh, hello to all the listeners out there. It is election day (laughs) here at Great Lakes Wealth. What do we do? And so for all the YouTubers out there, we are in full red, white, and blue uh, regatta today. Let's do it. Booyah style. And I've got my 10-gallon hat. I'm going to wear it for just one more minute for uh, the video. And now I'm going to take it off and let's get to work. Well, you can cut the tension with... A knife. Uh, election day. We all, uh, you know, are going to be sitting here voting potentially today. Although plenty of people have already gone out and casted their vote. Uh, I- I got to believe there is some excitement. There's probably some relief that we won't be seeing uh, political ads constantly on TV or maybe on the radio or, you know, wherever you're listening to, you know, the What Do We Do podcast. There's always a little bit of sense of that. But I guess for you, for starters, what what does Election Day mean to you, a, a potential president that is going to be reelected for you know another four years or potentially a new president starting his his next term what does this day mean for you and i guess how much do you encourage people to get out there and rock the vote yes rock the vote you know use uh use your right to make the change you want to see right so this is one of the most important days as an American, to just celebrate our freedoms and our our uh, our ability to choose to um, set the course and do our part. So I encourage everyone to get out and vote for sure. Uh, We have a presidential election that we all know about, but there are also uh, Senate and House of Representatives and your local uh, contests as well. So please get out to the polls, get out and vote. And then, I don't know, eight o'clock Eastern time, whatever it is, get your popcorn, <laughs> sit in your chair and, uh, you know, just turn on the TV or your laptop and enjoy the night. Well, see that that's the fascinating part, at least to me about this election year, you know, here in 2020, you've already heard some scuttlebutt, some rumors, stories out there that say, well, we might not get the results of this election for a few days, for a week, for a month, potentially, you know, down the line. So I guess for you, how much of an effect could that have on the market as we sit and wait to see which candidate ultimately wins the election? Like in your world, what, what is that time period going to be from, from a market standpoint? Well, great question, Kyle, and uh, we shall see, right? There have been several elections in the past that the, uh, the, the results were not uh, final the next morning or that evening or whatever, right? So we have the uh, most recent one on, that I can remember. Do you know which one I'm uh, thinking of? Al Gore and George W. Bush, and I'll just say this. I want to recount. The, one of the most famous quotes from an election day, I think, ever. Yes. So that was, uh, in recent history, uh, fantastic, right? The year was 2000. And uh, from election night of November 7th, uh, we did not know who the commander-in-chief was going to be until middle of December, I think right around December 15th. And so the country, Kyle, the entire country and the world sat or stood on bated breath, <laughs> waiting, as you say, recount, Supreme Court, 
started at the Florida level Supreme Court, went all the way to the United States Supreme Court. And so after those 30 plus days, finally Al Gore, I think, um, uh, sub- submissed, whatever the right word is. Um, he uh, acknowledged uh, defeat, and George Bush uh, became the president, right? But that was 30-plus days of uncertainty. So I guess in that time, what, what would the market be doing? You know, we always like to talk about volatility. We talk about the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows, headline here, headline there, you know, whatever network, you know, you might be watching. So I guess if something like that were to potentially happen again, what are you expecting? Volatility or would it just almost be this, I don't want to say the markets would close because that's certainly not the right word, but just this almost pause where it really not a whole lot is going to happen one way or the other. So, Bogey, I'm here to tell you and the podcast listeners. And Americans, my fellow Americans. And Americans, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen with today's election results. Okay? <laughs> Prognosticator, Stefan here on the What Do We Do podcast. Okay? Are wow, you ready so for you this? actually have the results. Are you ready for this? I'm it's not incredible. saying I don't have the official <laughs> results, but I'm going to tell you what the results may be. Sure. Okay? One is that we don't have it figured out. Okay? And to answer your question... Going back to the election of 2000, it took those 30-plus days. And in that time, the S&P dropped 8.4%, okay? Uncertainty. Wall Street hates uncertainty. So, no, we didn't just mark time. The S&P dropped 8.4%. That was also a significant year, 2000, because that was the top of the market in March of 2000. So you had other unwind. So some would argue that it wasn't the election results only. It was the fact that a lot of companies may have been overvalued. But you say tomato, I say tomato. And I'm telling you that if we don't know the results tomorrow, and it takes 30 plus days, I'm going to be preparing for a market that slides lower. You got me? Sure. Okay. So that's item number one. Item number two, have you heard of this thing called the presidential predictor? Have you heard of this? I, I think I'm vaguely familiar with it. You brought this up when we uh, talked about the election and what the results could mean a few episodes prior to this, correct? Yes, episode yeah. 16. I mentioned that however the S&P does in the month of August, September, and October, those three months prior to the election, is an indicator or a predictor of who will win the election. And we went golfing a few months back with our guy in the uh, control room there, uh, Mike Sully. Hey, Sully, how you doing, buddy? Glad you got your red white and blue on today. You look smooth, pal. Anyway, so uh, as he's nodding, he's waving an American flag. It's fantastic. (laughs) I love it. I'm going to do the same thing right now. Here we go, buddy. Anyway, so with all that, right, we talked about this presidential predictor and this uh, gentleman named Sam Stovall uh, from CFRA, and he's their chief investment strategist. He's been tracking the S&P back to 1944. Okay, Kyle? Mm -hmm. And this is what he's come up with. If the S&P is up, up anything, one decimal point, then the incumbent retains his seat in the White House. Okay. Okay. If the S&P is lower by one decimal point or more, then the challenger takes control of the White House on uh, election Tuesday. You follow me? Yeah. Okay. Well, drum roll, please. (laughs) October ended last Friday. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. October 30th, October 31st. So we know. So we know the presidential predictor has a 90 plus percent accuracy going back to 1944. 
okay? Yeah. So I know that you watch the market tick by tick, day by day, month by sure. month. Mm-hmm. So I know you have a dry, uh, you have a whiteboard out there, a dry erase whiteboard that you have listed all the all the daily clothes. I actually have a digital like scrolling oh, yes. screen in in our in my office. I can see all of the ebbs and flows of the market as the day goes on. I, it's I like CNBC it. in our office. It's just constantly scrolling as the numbers go up and down. Yeah. That's so exciting. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, uh, what's the right word? Irrelevant? It's so, so cool, exciting. Actually. It's so irrelevant <laughs> that uh, I'm glad you guys do that in 3D and, you know, f- uh, FaceTime off of that as your background. Anyway, that's great. Well, uh, Friday just happened to be a weekday for the markets. Mm-hmm. It was a volatile day. Uh, one of our prior episodes, I think, talking about, uh, you know, the options market and month end and squaring up your positions to where the index, the S&P, finished down 40.15 points on Friday, okay? Okay. Last day of the month, okay? Well, guess what? With that close... The markets finished the three-month cycle at 3,269.96 for the okay. month-end number, okay? Okay. Here's what it was on July 31st at the close, okay. which means the first day of August, okay? Mm-hmm. 3,271.12. 3,271.12. Again, last Friday close, 3,269.96. So down from July to October. You got it. Down just under two points. Hmm. Down under two points, the slimmest of margins. But (laughs) since it's down, Kyle, I don't want to put any pressure on you. Certainly Brand 25 has separated itself from uh, what do we do with this comment you're about to make. Of course, But yeah. with that information, who do you think is going to be declared the winner tonight well, of the national presidential election? Well, with that information, we would have to congratulate Joe Biden on uh, being the next president of the United States of America, if we are to go by this data, right? Right, right, okay. right. So listen, if you're a Biden supporter, you've, you're going you know, to give yourselves a friends a high five, wave that flag. If you're a Trump supporter, well, you've got, what, the next uh, 12 hours? to get out there and uh, see if you can get the uh, 91% uh, relevance uh, to be the, the example in this case, right? So it is exciting. Obviously, we're having a little fun here today, mm-hmm. but it is over a 90% probability going back to all those past elections that the incumbent is dethroned, if you will, if uh, the S&P has a negative close over those three months. And that's what we saw. I'd be curious to know, too, I guess, how much of an effect this specific year, the coronavirus, you know, dealing with the pandemic, how much of an effect that would have had, you know, in determining, I guess, that number and that data, the, the it being down by a couple of points, essentially, over the last three months, if that is a factor, like if we didn't have the pandemic going on, would that have been the exact same result? You know what I mean? And it probably would have been a little bit different. Well, it might have been a little bit different, but it also may have been a lot, uh, a lot different, and it could have been a lot different to the to the negative. It could have been a lot different to the positive. So, I think every single year, especially in the election years, but every single year that uh, the market moves on and time, you know, moves on, there are explanations for what happens. Mm. I just mentioned that in 2000, the explanation for why the market went down for those 30 plus days was because it was the 2000 unwind of the froth of 1999. So this year, again, it could be the coronavirus. It could be the global pandemic. It could just be all of the other reasons that um, America has potentially voted the way that your prognostication has come in, right? The other thing I'm going to tell you, Kyle, there was an election back in 1948 
okay, with one of the most famous headlines of all time. There's a newspaper out there, and it has a little special meaning to me. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I don't. Okay, well, for everyone out there listening or watching on YouTube, please get on your search engine and search engine the 1948 election. There were two candidates, Harry S. Truman mm-hmm. and I'm the, familiar with him. And yeah. the New York governor, Thomas E. Dewey. Have you heard of this guy? <laughs> I thought you were going to say Stefan. No, Thomas E. Dewey, right? So Governor Dewey was actually uh, the uh, the candidate who was predicted to win, right? So uh, Thomas Dewey and Truman, so Harry Truman and Thomas Dewey were in a race in 1948 for uh, the presidency. And uh, with the, some of the polling and some of the things that went on back in those days, it wasn't as uh, sophisticated with technology as it is today. However... As uh, the Chicago Tribune was doing its exit polling, it determined that Dewey defeats Truman. And there's this headline. I'm handing it to you now, and I'm putting it for all of us out there in YouTube world, that you can see this famous photo that was taken of Harry S. Truman holding up the Chicago Daily Tribune, which is now the Chicago Tribune, and laughing, going, are you kidding me or what? (laughs) Right? So on that election headline, it erroneously said Dewey defeats Truman. And uh, and I think they asked uh, Thomas Dewey the next day, what do we do? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so all of that to say that that election as well, uh, there was not any challenge. There was not any uncertainty other than uh, the the paper got it wrong. Well, you could probably chalk that up to the paper simply just trying to be, you know, first out there with it and having to get it in by the deadlines. Okay, it looks like. Looks like Dewey's winning. We're going to go ahead and just put the headline out there. You know, we'll eat the mistake, uh, you know, if it ends up being wrong, which obviously they have had to do over the years. But there was just a story uh, recently. I think it was on uh, Channel 7, actually, WXYZ. They were running essentially some tests uh, on the network finalizing some of their plans for what they'll air and some of the graphics that they'll have post-election. And they actually accidentally put over the airwaves I don't know which candidate it was, but it said, our next president of the United States, so-and-so. And And they actually had to retract it, and they had to put out an apology, essentially just saying, hey, we were just testing our stuff, we want to make sure we're prepared, which all papers, all you know, TV stations, networks... They all have everything ready to go. There's features that are already in the can, industry term, ready to go for when either Biden wins or Trump is potentially reelected. So, And I think we all know that, right? And four years ago was really the most obvious case of that, right? Mm-hmm. So the polls had uh, Donald Trump trailing by, I think it was five to seven, depending on uh, which uh, poll you were looking at. But trailing by five to seven percent and then obviously um you know he was uh declared the winner you know late in the evening to everyone's surprise really it's like 1 a.m 1 30 in the morning something like that right yeah and so uh you know we i think we all this time are also taking um taking a little bit guided approach to what the polls say but also to what tomorrow will end up looking like in the morning right um it may be the gore bush scenario um it Probably won't be the Dewey defeats Truman scenario, <laughs> but it certainly could be uh, a time where we are, uh, you know, just wondering what is happening or what just happened. So again, if you want to stay educated and and maybe have 
a more detailed look or listen at what could be the ramifications of, you know, Democratic candidate, the Republican candidate winning this election, episode 16 of the What Do We Do podcast and go back, download it, subscribe, rate it, you know, go ahead and dissect it however you may. You can also certainly stay uh, up to date on everything by going to greatlakeswealth.us. So Dewey, briefly, you know, for those who may not have listened to episode 16, who may not want to go back to episode 16, your outlook here, and you know, again, you don't have to go into too many details, but if Trump is to be reelected versus if Biden ultimately wins the election, what is your outlook overall on what you see going on moving forward? In, as the, in the immediacy. Say, yeah, as we say in sport terms, that is one nice layup, nice one <laughs> meatball you threw across the plate for me, Kyle. So Don't miss it. It's got to hit right. it. Right. So listen out there, uh, podcast listeners and you YouTubers, uh, stay tuned for next week's episode, okay? Uh, next Tuesday, we will have an entire podcast where we detail really what the next four years look like if we have the results in. And again, as we talked about in episode 16, it's not even just the presidential race. It actually has to do with the Senate and the House as True. well, yeah. and this thing called the Blue Wave, et cetera, et cetera. So rather than kind of go through it, uh, please go listen to episode 16. We did a real phenomenal job of talking about history, but also what may or may not happen. And then again, for next Tuesday's episode, I'm really fired up to uh, uh, get uh, my sleeves rolled up and get into it. That is just an unbelievable job at deflecting right there. I mean, that is a masterpiece <laughs> in deflection. Okay, uh, is there anything else you want to touch on here as we uh, again are, are discussing things here on election day? I'm going to talk about just. The, I'm going to talk about the three races that the um, the presidential uh, predictor did not accurately predict, so that everyone okay. out there listening knows that this is a uh, podcast of neutrality. Okay, so with that, the indicator twice failed to correctly predict uh, the defeat for the incumbent party in 1968 when Republican Richard Nixon defeated Democratic nominee Hubert Humphrey, and in 1980 when Ronald Reagan defeated Democratic President Jimmy Peanut Farmer Carter. You follow me? <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Carter, I think, is the oldest living president, uh, and I think he's in his 90s. So uh, God bless him, and we hope that he's hanging on and uh, doing well. Um, and then this, uh, it failed to also call the correct outcome in 1956 when Republican President Dwight Eisenhower defeated Democratic challenger Adelaide Stevenson despite a 7.7% fall for the S&P index in that three-month period. Okay, so we are saying that there is a weight of the evidence mm -hmm. based on the last three months, but it's certainly not a 100% guarantee. I wonder, and, and obviously this isn't you know, something that, you know, we could just come up with here. Uh, maybe we get the research department, uh, you know, to really look into those three elections. But I wonder if there was a certain theme or something that, that went on, you know, in those election years that led to the data being wrong, you know, ultimately. I'd just be curious to know why why that would be. But that would just be, be speculative. I think that'd be great for you and Sully <laughs> to uh, get get uh, you know get uh, some research out, spend the rest of this week, and then uh, bring that to me, you know, with a few days' notice, so I can uh, uh, you know go through it before uh, we talk next Tuesday in detail. Hey guys, it's Bogey. I want to take a second to talk to you about Dewey Stefan and his excellent team at Great Lakes Wealth. Look, do you feel overwhelmed with managing your assets in today's financial world? I mean, think about the times that we're in here in 2020. Do you want financial freedom? Great Lakes Wealth offers Wall Street solutions with Main Street values. They sit down with you to develop custom financial solutions utilizing all of your assets, even your 401k. We build the future you want 
based on your goals and your dreams. That is what Great Lakes Wealth is all about. Thinking about you, thinking about your family, and thinking about your future. Simply go to greatlakeswealth.us to schedule an appointment today. They offer better investments, better service, and a feedback guarantee. Okay, a feedback guarantee. Your road to financial freedom starts at greatlakeswealth.us. Please visit greatlakeswealth.us or simply give Great Lakes Wealth a call today. All right, well, Dewey, everyone out there is filling out their ballots, they're voting, they're you know doing uh, their duty as uh, an American. And again, we encourage everyone to go out there and and rock the vote, do what you got to do, and uh, you know certainly vote with uh, you know whatever you feel is in your heart. So um, as we continue to monitor and wait for the results to come here on the What Do We Do podcast. You have something for me to fill out, some questions for me potentially that I'm going to need to answer here. Bogey, thank you for bringing that up. I want to see how you are and how do you feel about your financial literacy. Okay. Okay. Uh, I read a report that came out not too long ago from uh, the National Financial Capability Study, which was sponsored by FINRA okay. and the Investor Educational Foundation, uh, backed by FINRA, which is an industry organization. Okay. The uh, results were astounding, disappointing, and astounding. And financial literacy refers to a variety of important financial skills and concepts that I believe that Americans should have. And we're going to talk about them today. And these results came off of a very simple five-question financial literacy questionnaire. And I'm going to give it to you today. See, I, I this is fascinating because I wish I could have been, you know, given this questionnaire BD before Dewey, and then see if it compares to what it'll look like with me doing it AD after Dewey. You know, because I've I've learned a ton over the last you know 20 episodes or so here on the What Do We Do podcast. This is fun. Well, good. So these uh, five questions, I'm going to expect a score of 100. Uh, percent Okay, whoa, five whoa, out whoa. of five. Okay? Let's lower those expectations. I'm going to tell you three out of five. Maybe gonna, four. And before I give it to you, I'm going to tell you that uh, there's a bonus question. So there's six. Okay. Okay. All right. And I the, like that. the national average is only three out of six. Oh boy. Okay. Three out of six. And when I ask you these. If you don't get all six, I might have to uh, swap you out with Sully. No, okay. sure. Okay. You understand what I'm I saying? I mean, you already okay. did that last week. Okay. Bruce didn't want to talk to me about trading. He wanted to talk to Mike so about trading. So, again, okay? no pressure. No <laughs> pressure. But after uh, 22 episodes, okay. if you can't get these six, then we're going to have uh, you know some other uh, dialogue to have and, here. And just to be clear, I don't have anything here. My screen is closed. It's all I don't good. have anything in front yep. of me. There's no papers. If anybody's you know watching on YouTube, I can't see anything. This and is raw. For everyone out there listening on the podcast uh, or watching it on YouTube, please get your pad of paper out or at least write down these answers so you can keep score and see how you did. Okay. Sure. okay. But I'm going to preface it by just explaining what this test is real quick. I'm okay. going to read from the homepage of FINRA's Investor Education Foundation site. Okay. And um, the financial landscape in the United States continues to go through rapid changes, both in terms of greater responsibility placed on consumers to manage their financial well-being and the greater complexity of, ver- of a variety variety of tools and financial products available in this effort. Okay? Okay. Okay. And so managing one's finances is absolutely a complex set of challenges in the best of times, requiring a combination of skills, judgment, and resources. In today's volatile economic environment, the challenges are especially acute and the downside risks are great. 
Individuals and families must grapple with a bewildering variety of financial decisions, ranging from choosing a bank and managing various kinds of debt to planning for retirement and purchasing insurance. Okay. Even the simplest of these decisions requires at least some basic financial knowledge and competency, while the more complicated decisions are challenging, even for experts. Oh, boy. Okay. okay. In 2009, the FINRA Investor Educational Foundation commissioned the first national study of the financial capability of American adults. The overarching research objectives of the National Financial Capability Study were to benchmark key indicators of financial capability and evaluate how these indicators vary with underlying demographic, behavioral, attitudinal, and financial literacy characteristics. Okay. Fair My enough? confidence is not very high right now. I've got to be honest. Can we change this questionnaire to like Detroit's <laughs> Sports history. No, you know, not like even okay. close. Not All even right, close. Fine. Okay. And so this um, this uh, survey, okay, there was one that was done in 2009, then again in 2012, again in 2015, okay. and then 2018. And they published the results at the end of 2019. Okay. They took a whole year to wrap them up and figure out in the book. I think I showed it to you earlier. It's about as thick as that. Okay. They came up with and uh, per, you know produced the results earlier this year. Okay. okay. So with that, I'm going to ask you these six questions. You don't need a pen. You don't need a calculator. You don't even need Sully. Okay? No, no, I just need my brain. And that's like that's the worst part of me right okay, there. Okay. Here know, we go. And they're not... Uh, they're not Complicated, but they're not simple. So here okay. we go. The first one, suppose you have $100 in a savings account earning 2% interest a year. Okay. After five years, how much would you have? The answers are more than $102, exactly $102, less than $102, or I don't know. More than $102. Ding, 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 ding. One for one. More than $102. And we're not going to sit and explain why the answers are what they yeah, are today. That's... Okay, but we can go through them. And some of them might be more complicated. But question number two. Okay. Imagine that the interest rate on your savings account is 1% a year and inflation is 2% a year. Okay. After one year, would the money in the account buy more than it does today? Exactly the same or less than it does today. Interest in your savings account is 1%. Uh-huh. Inflation is 2%. Yeah. After one year, would the money in the account buy more than it does today? Exactly the same or less than what it does today? I would say less. Ding, ding, ding. Two for two. Ring that bell, Sully. Yes. My man. <laughs> we should have gotten an actual okay. bell. Okay. That's right. Okay. Wow. Num- I'm shocked by this. Number okay, three. Yeah, two Let's, for two. This number is Number three. No pressure, but the average is three out of six. Number three. If interest rates rise, what will typically happen to bond prices? Will bond prices rise, fall, stay the same, or is there no relationship? If interest rates rise... What will typically happen to bond prices? Will they rise, fall, stay the same, or is there no relationship? I would say no relation. Oh, man. Oh, Oh, no. Oh, no. We got the first X of the day. My man. No good. No bueno. Have you heard this? No bueno. So I will tell you the answer, right? Does the bond value go down? So simply, when rates rise, bonds go down. Prices down. All right. right? I was leaning that way, and I was like, "Eh." Rates rise, bond prices fall. Okay. Okay, so that's kind of the tell. So, all right. You got one down. These get harder as we go? Well, hopefully not. Otherwise, I don't know what's going on. All right. That's all right. Um, Number four, true or false? I'm sweating right now. Hey, we're talking about buying homes. 
just we talk about buying homes almost every week on the air and off the air. Okay, so you might want to make sure you get this one right. Okay. Okay. True or false? A 15-year mortgage typically requires higher monthly payments than a 30-year mortgage, but the total interest over the life of the loan will be less. Correct. True or false? True. A 15-year mortgage typically requires higher monthly payments than a 30-year mortgage, True. but the total interest over the life of the loan will be less. True, false, don't know. True. Ding, ding, ding. Back on track. My man. There's Three another four. Yeah. All right. I am as good as an average American right okay, now. Okay. There you very go. Very exciting. Got two All more right. to go. Number five. True or false? Buying a single company stock usually provides a safer return than a stock mutual fund. True or false? Buying a single company's stock usually provides a safer return than a stock mutual fund. True, false, don't know. I'm going to say false. Were you sweating that one? I was, Oh, yeah. my gosh. Okay, well, we got some work to do because, yes, the answer's false. Okay, all right, And that should good. have been like a fast <laughs> reply, but ding, ding, ding. Got it. You're Four on track. Five. Four to five. I'm okay? an above average American. And that right. is the official question there, but there's a bonus question. No, this, this is, this is, is going to be the one that embarrasses this me. This is no. the best. Sully's in there. He's like dancing. He's got five <laughs> for five so far. He's all over it. Okay, here we go. Bonus question. Suppose you owe $1,000 on a loan. And the interest rate you are charged is 20% per year compounded annually. Okay. Suppose you owe 1000 on a loan, and the mm-hmm. interest rate you are charged is 20% per year compounded annually. Okay. Okay. If you didn't pay anything off at this interest rate, how many years would it take for the amount you owe to double? If you did not pay anything off... At this current interest rate, how many years would it take for the amount you owe to double? Would it be less than two years, two to four years, five to nine years, ten or more years, or don't know? I think it'd be five to nine years, wouldn't it be? Five years is my math. Suppose you owe $1,000 on a loan and the interest rate you are charged is 20% per year compounded annually. Uh-huh. If you didn't pay anything off at this thousand. interest rate, how many years would it take for the amount you owe to double? One more time. I still, th- I still think five years. Okay. And Sully's in there. He's throwing his hat in the ground just like it was a fourth down. He didn't get to the first down I marker. know you asked me for a reason. I'm oh sticking my to my gosh. guns, though. Two to four. Ding, ding, ding. You're wrong. Bang. So it's- it would be 20% of 1,000. Yep. Again. Simple Again. Interest. Yep. Again. Yep. Wouldn't it take five years to get so to 1,000 simple at interest would be 20 times five would be okay. five years. But compounded interest, right? The interest after the first year would be $1,000 uh-huh. and 200 okay? Yeah. The next year, it's not 1400 It's 20% interest on the 1000 plus that second year. Okay. So the actual right. answer is 3.6 years, okay? Because we do this thing called the rule of 72. So compounding, and a simple rule from one of our past episodes mm-hmm. is if you get a 10% return on your money, you'll double it in 7.2 years. And if you only get 7.2% interest on your money, mm-hmm. you actually will double it in 10 years. So okay. in this example, 
example, it is kind of related that according to uh, compounding principles, you will actually uh, owe twice as much in 3.6 years. Congratulations. I wish you would have said three to five years. You know, one to two years, three to five years, six to eight you gotta years. Call you got to call the folks at FINRA and the National <sighs> Financial Capability Study. So you have a final score. I feel like I'm a four out of six. Four out of six. You're above little, average, above not average. great. You know. Anyway, so we'll uh, we'll turn the page on that, and we would be curious for all of you out there in podcast land. YouTube land. If you want to send an email uh, to Bogey, or you want to hit us up on <laughs> Facebook with what you got, that would be great. Uh, that was a little fun, okay? So we appreciate Kyle. You put yourself out there for sure. You. But um, I'll be the guinea pig. At the pick. same time, can you you know you understand? Um, those, some of these things are real simple mm-hmm. concepts, but uh, they average, sound more complicated than they might be. I, I think yeah. is probably the best way of putting it. Yeah. Um, along that, here's the uh, survey data at a glance. I'm going to summarize and we could talk along the way, okay? There are four main, um, what, four main, um, I guess, hypotheses that come from this beyond just that question, okay? Making ends meet was the first one. In the United States, only 19% of individuals reported that over the past year, their household spent more than their income. In the United States, 19% of individuals reported that over the past year, their household spent more than their income. Okay, so Americans are spending more than they're making, 19%. Okay, and that's actually. They're going into debt, credit, loans, all of that. Yeah. Yep. Um, And that is not including the purchases of a new home, car, or other big investment. And also, uh, 23% of individuals reported having medical bills that are past due. Okay, so a lot of the the financial illiteracy um, also ends up coming back to haunt you with decisions that you make, okay? Mm -hmm. So individuals who are not balancing monthly income and expenses are not saving and thus may find themselves struggling to make ends meet, right? Stay within your means. Overdue medical debt can further compound a household's ability to meet other uh, monthly financial obligations. Problem with this for me is that at 2009, 2012, 2015, and 2018, the number was basically the same. (laughs) 2009 and forward, it was 20%, 19%, 19%, 19%. So um, we need to educate Americans more that you, again, can't spend more than you make, Mm -hmm. and you need to also pay your medical bills on time, and again, live within your means. That's number one, okay? Number two, the results of this survey were at a glance planning ahead. In the United States, 46% of individuals lack a rainy day fund. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with a rainy day fund, Kyle? Three to six months of expenses just tucked away, ready to go. You got it. Absolutely, right? 46% of individuals lack a rainy day fund to cover expenses for three months in case of emergencies such as sickness, job loss, economic downturn. Individuals without this emergency fund lack adequate protection against financial emergencies or other shocks which may threaten their financial stability. Have you had any of these come about anytime recently, Kyle? No. You haven't? No. Good. Well, yeah. because I, uh, the rest of us did back in March, okay? Oh, well, so, certainly, yeah. Okay. That, yeah, a little yeah, different. Yeah, so we were, right. So anyway, that was, uh, that's the situation there. Now, the good news with this is, Kyle, that in 2009, only 35% of Americans had a rainy day fund. 2012, up to 40. 2015, 46. And then through 2018, 49%. Uh, have a rainy day fund. Okay, so we're getting there. Because the economy was doing well. Well, I don't know about that, but people, again, are saving more than they used to which mm-hmm. and not living beyond their means. Uh, they are, as we just said, but they're also people are 
stashing away those that are saving. So we're sure. on the right track. The next one is managing financial products. In the United States, 35% of individuals with credit cards paid only the minimum on their credit card during some months in the last year. Have you heard or know anyone like this? Sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, um, 29% of individuals reported using one or more non-bank borrowing methods, including payday loans, uh, the offers that come in the mail in the past five years. Additionally, 35% of those with credit cards paid only the minimum on their credit cards during some months in the last year. And additionally, 9% of homeowners owe more on their home than its current market value. Do you believe that? They're upside down on their homes. These common means of borrowing often come with long-term consequences for personal finances. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, again, you can borrow on your home. You can borrow on credit cards. Mm -hmm. You can borrow on debt. Remember, we talked before about going to uh, the bank of bogey, right? (laughs) Pop a bogey and getting that loan out there. But anyway, so... Uh, credit card debt, as we know, is usually 20% plus, could it's be 29.9. Mm-hmm. It's huge. So please uh, don't just make those monthly payments. And actually, we say, you know, get out of any debt that's over 5%, right? Mm-hmm. Paid on your debt three to six months of emergency expenses. Yep. Then what's the next step? Pay off Pay debt. off any bad debt, right? Mm-hmm. Recycle good debt, get rid of bad debt, right? For sure. And the next one is financial knowledge and decision making. In the United States, 34% of individuals can answer four or five questions on a basic five-question financial literacy quiz correctly. <laughs> to wrap up this part of the uh, exercise, are you familiar with these people, Kyle? Mm-hmm. Yes. So in the United States, 66% of people are unable to answer more than three out of five questions correctly. Okay. And I had four out of five. You got four out of five. Yeah, That's crushed. right. So um, this kind of did, it has increased. So the 3% or fewer. Oh, look at, I'm looking at these numbers backwards. So the percent that got three or fewer correct. In 2009, it was 58%. So 58% in 2009 got three or fewer correct, okay? 2012, 61% three or fewer correct. Mm-hmm. And 2015, 63% three or fewer correct. And in 2018, 66% only got... Three or fewer correct. Hmm. So that's a trend that's going so in the, the wrong way. The overall theme here is educate yourself on finances, educate yourself when it comes to voting, when it comes to taking care of you know people in your counties, in your state, in your region, whatever it may be. Educate yourself all the way around so you can be the very best American and most well-rounded American, which is what we need moving forward, right? You got to wave that American awesome. flag and get to well, it, right? We'll, we'll await the results here, uh, you know, certainly over the uh, the next several days, and we look forward to next week's episode uh, here on the What Do We Do podcast as well, where we kind of take a look at forecasting what things will, uh, you know, be ha- I guess going on in the market here moving forward. Yes, today is a wonderful day to be an American, so please <laughs> exercise your right to vote. One more time. Uh, it's going to be exciting this evening to see uh, what happens and how the results come in all across this great land. But tomorrow, 
a new dawn, whatever that dawn is. <laughs> we will have um, our work ahead of us to get ourselves prepared for next Tuesday's episode. I am so fired up. I believe that this is the investing opportunity of a lifetime once we know where we're going for the next four years. So wow. hopefully it's decided and we'll be able to talk about it next Tuesday. If not, we will just have to keep hanging on. As we always say, we're just getting started. The opinions expressed in this program are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It's only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risks and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional.